lot of folks today walking away from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 60. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Bible says, John 6, verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they're life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Pray with me. Father, thank you again this morning for the tremendous music. And I pray, Lord, uh, we just lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I can't do anything. Nobody here can do anything. We can't talk anybody into anything. All we can do is... Ask your Holy Spirit to come in and deal with every one of us. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus, and may we heed the prayer that we've already sung. Uh, may we say yes. May we follow you. May we answer you wherever you lead us, whatever you want us to do. Some this morning need to be saved. They need to trust you. Never done it before. And today is their day of salvation. Others may need a church home. Others may need to recommit their life. Others praying for family and friends. But Lord, whatever needs to happen, may we say yes right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Most folks don't have any problem believing that God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. He's a God of kindness. He's a God of grace. Salvation, we understand it, is a free gift. The Bible says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he died for everybody. He didn't die for the rich or the poor. He didn't die just for the black or the white. He didn't die for the educated or uneducated. He didn't die for the American or the foreigner. He literally died for the world. And that's what's glorious about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it I think probably many of us in aspect of that have missed or we deny or we dismiss this simple fact that although Jesus died for everybody, although his love supersedes all love, although his kindness and his mercy and his grace is abundant, Jesus is not so desperate that he would say, even though you're not really sincere, stay with me. Even though you're not willing to fully trust me, trust me the best you can and we'll work this thing out. Even though you're not gonna wholeheartedly follow me, even though you're not gonna put your faith in me completely, I'll just accept you anyway. 
He's not that desperate. Now, I am in by no means telling you that he has chosen you to be saved or not be saved. I think it's his will, none perish, all come to life. But you have an opportunity to make that decision. And I want to tell you this morning, I think maybe we've misunderstood what the Bible teaches. If we think that we can waltz down an aisle and join a Baptist church and then go on and leave here and live the same way we came in, and we talk about we got salvation, I think maybe we're wrong. I think maybe we've missed it. He gives us what we call the bread of life discourse in John chapter 6. He's fed everybody in the first 15 verses with two pieces of fish and five barley loaves. He's fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So he talked about, and then he gets over and he says, now, let me tell you about the real bread of life. I'm the real bread of life. And he gives the bread of life discourse, and you can read it in John chapter, uh, uh, John chapter 6. And after he taught that, the Bible says the majority of the people listening to him left. They didn't want to hear it. And then not only did the majority of the people leave, but the Bible says the disciples, the majority of the disciples, those who had trusted him, those who were, who were sold out him, they left too. They walked out. I find it ironic that he didn't say, wait a minute, guys, please believe me. Wait, wait, wait a minute, guys, don't, don't go. Please stay with me a little longer. We'll work this thing out. We, we can do this. I, I've invested time in you and I've taught you and I've centered my life around you. Please don't, please don't leave now. He presents him with a choice. Two choices. Believe or don't believe. But you can't have both. Either believe or not believe. If you're going to believe, you're going to stay with him. You're not going to go. If you're not going to believe, you're not going to stay with him. Every ministry, especially in these times of the pandemic and all of this stuff going on, uh, man, there are times when things are up. There are times when things are down. I speak with pastors every week. Don't think their churches are going to make it. Uh, they've just been down. I mean, you know, I don't know of a pastor that I know of that's trying to make his church smaller. Every one of them, we're trying to enlarge the church. We're trying to enlarge the kingdom of God. We're trying to reach people. But it looks like Jesus in John chapter 6, he hadn't read the guru books about church growth because he's trying to thin out the crowd. He's saying, if you can't follow me, adios. Now, it does two things when you do that. Number one, it clarifies his call, his mission his ministry for those who follow him. We need to be reminded of that maybe that the mission of this church is to reach lost people with the gospel. I mean, that's what our mission is. We do a lot of things that lead up to that mission, but the ultimate goal of this church is to see people saved. And I'm gonna be honest with you, this pandemic's about to drive me crazy because we haven't seen near as many go through that baptistry as what I think we ought to be seeing. That's the goal of this church. That, that's, why you in, that's why you invest in the, in the children's building. That's why you give your tithes. 
It's not to pay the preacher, not to pay the staff. It's so that the kingdom of God can be furthered. So it clarifies his call. But the second thing it does, it purifies the ranks of his disciples. He weeds out those who are not totally committed to him. Mm. You say, preacher, you better hush now. You're getting close. Because there's a bunch of us may have to weed out of here and you're going to find yourself. I, I, listen, I don't want you to go. Please stay with me. No. <laughs> I just want to tell you right now, I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to be sold out to him. We're living in, in, a, in an hour when so many people are walking away from the things of God. And I guess the truth is we ought not to be surprised. The Bible tells us that in the end days there will be a great falling away. The Bible tells us that in the end days that people will have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. We just want to not believe that these are really the end days. We talk about Jesus is coming, could come any time, but the real truth of most of us in this room not ready for him to come right now. I mean, I want to go to heaven, but I'm not getting on the bus right now. I, I, I want to go a little bit longer. These verses that we've read hopefully will shed some light on this problem here. There's some insights as to why people make the decisions they do concerning their walk with the Lord. First of all, notice with me, not everyone can handle the truth. Not everybody can handle the truth. The fact of the matter is, while not everyone walks away from the Lord, a lot of people do, and you, it becomes clear that not everybody can handle the truth. I, uh, when my wife and I first got married, uh, and I waited to this service because I didn't want her to hear it secondhand. I wanted it to be fresh. <laughs> My sweet mother-in-law, and she loved me and I loved her, but I'll tell you, she was one of those that whatever Becky said was it. I mean, if you went outside and said the sky, and Becky said, that sky is yellow, her mom would say, it sure is. I see the yellow in it. My mama was one of those that would say, you're crazy, that sky ain't yellow, it's blue. And we, we worked our families together like that, you know. Some people just can't handle the truth. Uh, as this chapter unfolds here, it becomes clear that there's doubt and there's suspicion and there's hostility mounting against the Lord Jesus Christ. These people wanted to make Jesus king, but they wanted a king that was gonna wipe out the Romans. They had some expectations of what they wanted in their kingdom. Now, they want nothing more to do with him now. First of all, they're following him. They're eating the catfish and the hush puppies, and they're all following him, and they're praising the Lord. And now, all of a sudden, they're all gone. What made the change? Well, Jesus told them the truth, and they couldn't handle it. That's what made the change. Look down in verse 29. We're in John 6, so if you get right there, we're, we're here all morning. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that you believe on him who hath sent, he hath sent. And then verse 32, he nails it down. Verily I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. He's blaspheming Moses. And Moses was a hero. Jesus said, Moses didn't give you that bread out there from heaven. That was God. Moses was just a vessel there. 
and he's got them all shook up. They, they're not wanting to believe that. He's saying that he is superior to Moses and to the manna. Salvation was a matter of faith alone. Look at verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they're spirit, and they are life. So apart from God's intervention, you can't even believe. Look at verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. I can't believe you're preaching something like that, preacher. Don't you know there are other forms of how to get the eternal life besides just Jesus? No, I don't know that. The Word of God says there's only one way, and that's to come through Jesus. And I want to tell you, you can't come through Jesus unless the Father, first of all, draws you to Jesus. You can't get up one morning and decide, well, I think I'll be saved today. It's the Father who draws you, and that's what he's saying. So some people just can't take the truth. And then when the truth is revealed to us, there's only two possible things. You either receive it or you don't receive it. You say, no, there's another. No. Well, what would keep somebody from receiving the truth? I mean, why, why would you not receive the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the first reason people don't is because some people misunderstand it. The Bible's full of people who misunderstood the truth. Nicodemus in John 3 thought... Jesus was talking about gynecology. And he was talking about a new birth. He said, you got to be born again. He misunderstood it. And the woman at the well thought Jesus was talking about plumbing when he was actually talking about himself, the water of life. The guy at the pool of Bethesda thought Jesus was talking about a rescue mission. He was talking about placing faith in Jesus. This trend continues. That's why people can join the church, baptize, and never be saved because they've misunderstood the truth. And uh, as a result of it, they end up rejecting it. Uh, mm. Some people misunderstand, but I'm going to tell you, some people just oppose to the truth. They don't want the truth. Jesus, as he revealed himself in his demands, the Jews were constantly increasing the opposition. They weren't able to accept his deity, his death, or his claims of lordship. They opposed him at every turn. And same thing happens today. Uh, I, you know why folk don't want to follow Jesus? Because they have to give up their life to do it. You're faced with the truth this morning of whether you're going to follow a lord don't call him Lord now if you're telling him what to do. Because he's not Lord if you've told him what to do. I, hmm. Let me hasten on. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, the, the Bible says <laughs> some people are blind to it. They're just blind to the truth. They're, they're blind. All the way through this passage, the Jews had this approach to Jesus. Show us and we'll believe. You show us and we'll believe. Now, good gracious, have mercy. He done took two fishes and five loaves of bread and fed 15 or 20,000 people. What more do you need? Hmm? And then, now we haven't had time to cover it. You'll have to read it when you get home in John 6. But Jesus is standing over here talking to the crowd and he tells his disciples, y'all get in the boat and I'll meet you on the other side. Remember that? 
Well, the people there, suddenly Jesus is gone. They begin looking for Jesus. The Bible says they go around the coast. They walk all the way. The Sea of Galilee is not a great big thing. They walk all the way around on the other side. When they get over there, there Jesus is. And you know what they say? John 6 talks about, what are you doing here? How did you get over here? We left you back there, and there's no boat come across. The disciples had already left. How would you get over here? Now, here's what they were worried about. Jesus was their meal ticket. They said, Lord, we need to know where you are all the time. Don't you wander off. We need to know where you are. Because when supper comes, you're, I mean, you're, ooh, that fish was good, Lord. We remember it. <laughs> Them hush puppies were good. We need to know where you are all the time. That's what they're saying here. And yet they're still saying, show us something. Show us something. He made his claims and issued his call to commitment. They were unable to see the truth because they were blind. The fact is, so many people are blind to the truth. Their eyes can only be opened by supernatural intervention. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about doo -doo 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 or scary stuff. I'm just telling you, our God is a supernatural God. And I, he ain't Star Wars and none of that junk. I'm telling you, he's supernatural. He can do things you never dreamed of doing. Nothing too hard for God to do. Some people, they want the experience but not the expectation. See, he had, he had satisfied their fleshly appetite, so they're wanting to follow him. Now they're looking for something that makes them feel good. We want to feel good. Mm. Mm. they want the miracles and sensationalism but when Jesus begins to talk about his expectations and he begins to issue a call for commitment they all turned and walked away they didn't want part of it sometimes if we're not guilty the same mentality is developed in the church we want the religious experience and, and my soul some of the hardest things that we will ever do is distinguish between what's soulish and what's spirit because we're humans and the soul, the thing that makes us feel good, gives us a warm feeling. That can be soulish and have nothing to do with be spiritual. These folk wanted soulish. So many in the church want soulish. The churches that are growing fastest today, they're the churches who don't preach on sin. They don't, you don't even need to bring your Bible. They're not going to preach on sin. The churches who are growing fastest today, you've got to have everything painted black. Wouldn't that be pretty in here if everything was black? I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. Paint everything black. Get you a good fog machine. You don't need some cheap Radio Shack machine. You need a good fog machine. That when you hit that button, man, that fog comes out. And then you, this old praise, good grief. The choir went out 30 years ago. You got to have a hip-hop contemporary rock band. And you put all that together. Boy, you can fill the place up. I'm not sure what you got when you got it filled up. But you can fill it up. People who walk away from the things of God are selfish. They're only concerned about themselves. 
And then not everybody can handle the truth. Sometimes the truth's tough. It, it makes demands on us. It's, it's brutal. <clears throat> Back, it's been now eight or nine years ago, I had a heart calf, and I, my doctor called me. I was sitting on the back porch rocking, and uh, he said, you need to come by and let's drink coffee. I said, no, I don't. Just you tell me. I'd had a heart cat. You just tell me. I'm thinking I needed a stint because I've lived a good life. I've tried to eat enough bacon and pork chops <laughs> because those things will grease your veins and things slide through much easier. So, amen. So I, I've tried to do that. I expected, he said, well, you're going to need a stent, you know, whatever. He said, well, okay, I'll tell you the truth. You're going to have, have to have open heart surgery. I said, whoa, that's not what I want to hear. And there's a great aneurysm there and everything. Sometimes the truth can be brutal. I'll be at the hospital sometimes, and some of y'all, you say, I don't like that doctor. He don't have a good bedside manner. No, he just told you the truth. You want him to sit there and say, hey, everything's going to be all right. Don't worry about a thing. I want to know the truth. Sometimes the truth can be brutal. Sometimes it, it makes demands. Becky and I went down there that day. Both of us were crying before we were out of that place because of the way they had to do with my aneurysm. They were saying in, here in Longview, we have to take you and put you in a, a trough of ice and we're going to cool you down. And then we're going to open you up, take your heart out, because you've got an aneurysm on it. You can't be bypassed. So and then we're going to lay the heart on the table and work on that, and we're going to fix that, and then we're going to put it back inside of you. All your organs are cold and dead, and then we're going to start warming you up. And your organs are supposed to start working again. Heavy on that word, supposed to. <laughs> we both left that place crying. And, but we went to Dallas and found a guy that knew a shortcut. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. It's uh, Not everybody can handle the truth. And then let me give you the second thing here. Every one of us live in a glass house. Now, you just think preachers do. My kids, when they were growing up, my wife can verify this, because I'm just telling you, I've tried to be spiritual, but there's a demon inside of me. Sometimes that dude comes out. But when I was young and I had little boys, I, I told our church up front, you chunk a rock at my house, I'm going to pick one up and chunk it back at yours. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I handle my kids. I don't do that anymore. But we all live in glass houses. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, we can deceive each other. There ain't no problem deceiving. Most people are gullible anyway. We can deceive each other, but we'll never deceive the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows everything about us. <laughs> he knows those who walked in this auditorium this morning that if he comes this afternoon, you're going to be left sitting in a pew right here because you've never been saved. He knows that. He knows that. We, we see the truth here of why Jesus knew the multitudes were going to follow him because he, 
and, and why they wanted to leave. He knew the deepest secrets of their hearts. When, when the Lord looks at us, what does he see this morning? He sees somebody kind of halfway torqued up and ticked off because we didn't get up on the right side of the bed. Somebody asked my wife, do you wake up grumpy every morning? She said, no, sometimes I let him sleep. <laughs> Some of y'all wake up grumpy every morning. I mean, just, he, he knows that. We don't know that. We're, we're looking at you here after you've done had a shower and coffee and breakfast and everything kind of halfway good, you know. But what, what about when you first got up? The Lord knows all of that. There's some folk thought they hide. Zacchaeus thought, I'm going to climb up in that tree and watch the Lord. He walked right up there and said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house for supper tonight. I did that one time with my wife. Invited the whole church over to our house. <laughs> it wasn't a good experience. Ah. <laughs> uh. He, he knew Peter was standing by the Roman fire. He knew the hearts of the hypocritical Pharisees. He, listen, Judas had every disciple fooled. When they're there at the Last Supper and Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, every one of them started saying, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it me? Lord, is it I? Nobody said, I'll tell you who it is, it's old Judas. I've told you all from the beginning he was a fake. Nobody said that. You can sit here and fool us all you want to, but you're not going to fool the King of kings and Lord of lords. Juan Carlos Ortiz tells a story in The Disciple. I love it. He said, a man sees a pearl and says to the merchant, I want this pearl. How much is it? And the seller says, well, it's very expensive. And he said, well, how much? He said, a lot. He said, well, do you think I could buy it? And he said, oh, yeah, everybody can buy it. He said, but I thought you said it was very expensive. I did. Well, how much? He said, everything you've got. So the guy said, all right, I'll buy it. Okay, what do you have? He said, well, I've got $10,000 in the bank. Good, $10,000. What else? He said, that's all I got. Nothing more. I got some change in my pocket. And He looked around his pocket. It was about $100. He said, that's mine. He said, what else do you have? Nothing else. He said, well, where do you live? He said, well, I live in my house. Oh, you own a home? It's mine. Hmm. Well, where do, you, where do you expect me to sleep? In my camper? He said, oh, you got a camper? It's mine too. He said, well, well are we going to sleep in our car? Oh, you've got cars? I've got two. Well, they're, they're mine too. He said, well, where are my wife and kids? Oh, you've got a wife and kids? They belong to me too. They're mine. He said, look, you've taken my money, my house, my camper, my cars. Suddenly the seller exclaims, I almost forgot something. You, you're mine too. He goes on, now listen. He said, I'm going to allow you to use all of these things for the time being. But don't ever forget they're all mine, just like you are. And whenever I need any of them, you've got to give them up because I'm now the owner. Do us well to remember that God owns everything we've got. He's loaned it to us. 
But I'm going to tell you, in some of our lives, there comes a time when he says, I want this. And we've got to give it up. We've got to give it up. We live in a glass house. I can't see your heart. You can't see mine. But God knows exactly what our hearts are. Mm. Let me give you this last thing and I'm through. Genuine faith cannot walk away. When the disciples are asked by Jesus if they too will leave him, Peter's the spokesman for the group. And he expresses their total commitment and he states the fact that they know Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and he's the way to eternal life. They, they got two possessions there. They, by faith, he says. Uh, it's an inward conviction that Jesus is who he claims to be. Do you have that conviction this morning? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm talking about cut all the bull. Do you really believe Jesus is the Son of God? You really believe that he died and was buried and rose again and ascended into heaven? I mean, you really believe that? You believe he owns everything we've got? And then the experience. Peter was by no means a perfect man. I don't know anyone who is. But he had a changed heart. He had a changed life. And had a new desire and direction to follow Jesus. His life was changed. Changed enough to make the bold statement that he would not walk away. He did turn his back on the Lord. But it didn't last forever. See, you, you got a genuine faith. You may slip away. You may, you may backslide. You may go out. But I tell you, if you've trusted in Jesus and he's changed your life, there'll come a time when you'll come back. You'll be like the prodigal son and says, my goodness, I need to get back to the father's house. Amen. Once you've felt the power of God, once you've experienced the light in his glory and tasted of his goodness and experienced his best, these cheap imitations and all this frilly entertainment junk doesn't cut it. Won't satisfy you. Say, I want the Word of God. Now, what are we to think about those who walk away? The Bible says in 1 John that we're to love them and warn them. I want to tell you what ought to happen the first moment that someone walks away. That ought to be the first moment that we draw a circle around ourselves and say, Lord, I want you to examine me. Because if were it not for the grace of God, that may be me walking away instead of them walking away. So the first thing we ought to do is examine ourselves. And then the Bible says in Titus 3 that we're to leave them in the hands of God. That's all we can do. Leave them in the hands of God. We come back to the end of the question. Will you also go away? I was reading an illustration of the life of Charlotte Elliott. She lived in Brighton, England. She was very bitter, angry. She had a disability, and she just got to the place where she was just frustrated and angry with God because she felt like if the Lord really loved her, 
he wouldn't have made her go through all that. And so they called this man, the preacher, Dr. Caesar Milan, to come and try to talk with her and counsel with her. So he came over for dinner one night. It's hard for me to say dinner. It's supper, what it really is. But he came over one night to eat with them. She threw a wall-eyed fit. I mean, she was angry with the family. She was angry with God. She said things. The family got so embarrassed that they all just got up and left. There's nobody there but Dr. Milan and Charlotte. And he stares across the table at her. And he said, you're tired of yourself, aren't you, Charlotte? You're holding on to your hate and anger. Now listen, this is what he told her. You're holding on to your hate and anger because you don't have anything else to hold on to. Hmm? Isn't that a whole new ball game there? You wonder why people are so mad and angry? Maybe they don't have anything else to hold on to. She began to kind of soften her heart. She had become so sour and bitter and resentful. And she said, well, what is your cure, doctor? And he said, my cure is the faith that you're trying to despise. And she began to soften there. And she said, if I wanted to become a Christian and to share the peace and the joy that you have, what, what would I do? The pastor looked at her and he said, you'd give yourself to Christ just like you are. She said, I'm full of anger and hate. You'd give yourself to Christ. You'd give your anger, your hate, you'd bring all of that to Christ just like you are. She said, you mean to tell me that I can bring all of my baggage to Christ and he'll forgive me? And Dr. Milan said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And she was gloriously saved went on as time passed and wrote a poem, made a lot of money off the poem. She did it for benefit of, of an orphanage. But she wrote this poem that we know now as Just As I Am, Without One Plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me to come. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Jesus came down from heaven for us. We're always talking about past, present, and future. He came down from heaven in the past. He laid down his life for us. In the present, he sits down in heaven interceding for each one of us. He's praying for you right now. He's praying for you right now, interceding for us. And in the future, he's going to come down and take his bride back with him. That's what our Lord's done for him. He's offered an invitation for you to come just like you are. You've never trusted Christ. Maybe you're not sure if you've ever trusted Christ. I, uh, I tell people all the time, I, I'm not just trying to get up numbers because numbers don't mean anything except they represent souls. But I want to tell you, if you're not sure you're saved, I don't think that when you get to heaven, if you got made another profession of faith, I don't think the Lord's going to say, well, you idiot, you were already saved. Why did you go down there again to get saved? You were already saved. I don't think the Lord's going to say that. But if you think you might not be and you end up not being, let me tell you what he's going to say. 
Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. So I'll just tell you right now, if there's doubt that you've been saved, I'd get saved. I'd, I'd repent of my sin. I'd trust the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd write it down in my Bible. I'd nail that thing down. You're never going to be any good for God until you get your salvation where it needs to be. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. I come. Pray with me. Father, we're grateful today that you give us one more opportunity before you come again so far that we can make a decision to follow you. I pray this morning for those that are, are sitting in this place knowing in their heart they've got everything covered up here. We don't know it. We think they're happy and everything's great. But they're living in a glass house and you know and they know that they've tried everything this world's got to offer and nothing has satisfied them. But today, dear Lord Jesus, your spirit is wooing them, calling them to come, to come. Lord, would you have your way in this service this morning? I pray these altars would be filled with Christians who would have a burden for lost people, for people that don't know you, that have maybe have walked off and left you. God, use us to help bring them back into the fold. Lord, would you have your way? We praise you in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me?